My name's Derek. I'm an elder here at Cornerstone. And it's again a great privilege to be able to bring God's Word this morning. And it's about walking wisely in a foolish world. And I haven't quite figured out yet how to weave the footy results of yesterday into wisdom and foolishness. Maybe I'll just leave it there. According to scripture, there's only two kind of people in the world, the wise and the foolish. And you're either wise or you're foolish, there's no middle ground. If you don't know God, you're a fool. If you know God, you're wise. So that's the message. (laughs) If you... Yeah, thanks. Let's, let's close and pray. Um, if you're a fool, you might not be as foolish as other fools, but you're still a fool. And if you're wise, you might not be as wise as another wise person, but you're still wise. So there's this clear defining line between wisdom and foolishness. And you're on either one side of the two. So today we're going to look at God's Word and what it means to walk wisely. Um, Or in worldly terms, a lot of people like to say they're searching for enlightenment. What's the path to enlightenment? It's just a foolish way to say, to talk about seeking godly wisdom. Because that's the only wisdom there is is godly wisdom. So in the 1980s, there was a guy in America, his name was Richard Buckminster, and he was an author and a designer, inventor, and he presented a knowledge doubling curve. And what he basically said was that since World War II, human knowledge was doubling every 100 years, but after World War II, it started doubling every 25 years. And he predicted that it would continue accelerating um, in the form of a J-curve. So I know there's a lot of engineers here, so you will know what I'm talking about. But a J-curve is basically a, um, a form where it, it, the information gradually increases, but then it accelerates to a point of rapid acceleration. So a J-curve looks like this. So today, uh, I believe nanotechnology is doubling every 24 months, medical technology every 18 months, and as a whole, human knowledge every 13 months. So that's staggering, going from doubling every 100 years to doubling every 13 months. We say we live in the information age, and that's, that's true. We do. We have huge amounts of information at our fingertips, The dilemma is that all of this information does nothing for the fools. We have all this information, but the fools, what happens, it just gives them more ways to express their foolishness. It does, all of the information does nothing to take man out of this category of foolishness. So we have all this information, but still we miss the point. We're not enlightened. 
So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at some characteristics of fools, some characteristics of wise people, and it's kind of a, a quick tour through all the sermons Campbell has done, because all these topics we have gone into a lot of detail before. So I've chosen the easy way, and I'm just summarizing all the sermons of the previous weeks. Um, but I also have to give some acknowledgement to John MacArthur. Um, he, the sermon's loosely based on a sermon he did as well in a talk I was listening to from him, so I think I need to give him some acknowledgement as well. Um, so the first characteristic of a fool, number one, is they reject God. Fools reject God. Psalm 14.1 and Psalm 53.1 The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's where their foolishness begins. They do not believe in the true and living God. They might come up with another deity, as they always do, but they don't believe in God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the Creator. So that's number one. Fools reject God. Number two, fools worship themselves. So Proverbs twelve fifteen says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. So the fool firstly eliminates God, he rejects God, and then who fills that void is I. The most important thing in most people's lives dare I say, especially teenagers. But the, the fool worships themselves. They fall into the trap because they do not look up to God the Creator. They start worshipping themselves. And postmodern culture is a perfect example of that. Because what I feel is valid to me. And what you feel is valid to you. Your truth is your truth and my truth is mine. So the whole idea of absolute truth has been broken down. So we all create our own little universes where we are the God. Proverbs 28.26 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. So Proverbs declares postmodernism is foolish. So this form of self-worship is the most universal and common form of idolatry and also the most common trait of foolishness. Number three, fools mock at sin. So if you reject the true God, you reject him because you don't want to live under his authority and conform to his instructions, and so you make yourself the God in place of the God that you're rejecting. And so the obvious next thing is that you're going to reject all the rules that God gives and you're going to make your own set of rules. And so the seriousness that God puts on sin, you are going to reject. So mocking sin means you're not taking sin serious. Because sin is very serious. That's our big problem. So number three is fools mock sin. They don't realize the seriousness of sin. Number four, fools corrupt each other. 
Uh, Proverbs 15, and there's a lot more verses in Proverbs about this, but I'm trying to stick to one verse per category. Proverbs 15, 2, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes foolishness. Fools don't want to be alone. They love to be together and revel in the knowledge, the intellectual knowledge that they have. And in their foolishness, they even bestow PhDs on each other for studying the foolishness that they believe important. So fools corrupt each other, and they acknowledge each other in their foolishness because they want some sort of um, acceptance. Number five, fools hate wisdom and discipline. Proverbs 1.7, the second statement, fools despise wisdom and discipline. They hate wisdom, they hate divine truth, they hate the word of God, and therefore they hate wisdom. So a very simple definition of a fool is somebody who rejects God, is a self-worshipper, one who mocks at sin, doesn't take sin seriously, one who corrupts everybody around him, somebody who's a bad influence, and someone who hates wisdom and discipline. So interesting that discipline is added there to wisdom. I'll say something about that a bit later on, but discipline is a very integral part or a very integral ingredient to wisdom. So now let's look at characteristics of the wise. And I thought a two-to-one ratio was good. So we've had five characteristics of the foolish, so we'll look at ten characteristics of the wise. Proverbs 1 that we read this morning opens by saying, The Proverbs of Solomon, Song of David, King of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, and it goes on, for understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. That's the first six verses. So why is that introduction there? Why did God allocate six verses to introduce us to this whole book that is Proverbs? Can you see that it is a call for the whole human race? The book of Proverbs and what we'll see has been written for the whole human race as a call to listen. Not a call to speak or to say something, but to use the sense that we use the least of all, and that's to not say anything and just listen. Wisdom is personified as a person throughout Proverbs. And at the very outset of Proverbs, we have this wonderful declaration that since the start of humanity, wisdom has been calling out in the streets. So wisdom has been available to mankind from the start. Nobody could ever say that wisdom wasn't available. They didn't know. So this declares that wisdom from the start has always been there, calling out in the streets. And so before we go to number one,
Let's see what the New Testament says about wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. It reads, It is because of Him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. One, one verse. But it says so much. It is because of Him, God our, God our Father, that you are in Christ. And this is an incredible three words, in Christ. No other world religion does that. Nobody says they're in Buddha or in Muhammad or in Allah or in whatever, New Age, what, nobody says that. But over 90 times in the New Testament, we are reminded that we are in Christ. We don't understand what that means. We cannot fully understand what that means. It's, it's a divine plan from God the Father. We are inseparable from Christ. We are in Him. We are not next to Him. We are in Him. This wisdom becomes reality to us when through Scripture salvation becomes known to us, is declared to us. So Christ Jesus becomes the wisdom for us. He becomes wisdom through the gospel. So this wisdom that 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 talks about is God the Father uniting us in Christ. This wisdom was an actual plan to redeem actual people, so specific people, names, like we know in the book of life, everybody is written up. So these actual people had been in Christ, in the mind of God our Father, the Creator, from before the world was created. He declared what wisdom is. He declared what wisdom looks like. So that's wisdom for us. The key is our Lord Jesus Christ. He unlocks wisdom for us today. So let's go back to Proverbs 1. The first characteristic of a wise person is that they know and fear God. Proverbs 1 verse 7. Fear the Lord in the is the beginning of knowledge. It's almost identical to Proverbs 9 verse 10. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the wise know and fear God. Proverbs says that those who know God and who fear God prolong life, are blessed beyond wealth, are full of joy, receive an abundant life, and stay free from evil. This is the path of joy, is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 3 verse 7 says, Fear the Lord and stay away from evil. Proverbs also says, Those who fear the Lord sleep satisfied, possess confidence in the future, and have their prayers answered. So the first characteristic of a wise person is to fear the Lord. Number two, the wise guard their minds. The wise understand the premium of wisdom, 
that don't stand in the way of scoffers or sit in the seat. Sorry, they don't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. That's from Psalm 1. The delight is in the law of the Lord. Listen to it in the, in, in the language of Proverbs 4, verse 20. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And it's interesting how Proverbs connects our hearts and our minds when it talks about wisdom. It oscillates between the two. You cannot separate your mind and your heart. Everything flows from your heart. So when you subdue your mind, you are subduing your intellectual knowledge, but also the desires of your heart. So the wise guard their minds. Number three, the wise submit to authority. They understand what it means to obey their parents. That's where respect for authority starts. It's part of wisdom to be obedient to those who are in authority over you. We find it in Proverbs 1 verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Number four, the wise select their friends. The wise is careful, they don't run with the crowd. Proverbs 1 Verse 10 to 16, my son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us and let us lie and wait for innocent blood, let's ambush some harmless soul, and it carries on to verse 15, my son, do not go along with them. When they plot wickedness, do not go along with them. Do not set your foot on their paths. For their feet rush to evil, and they are swift to shed blood. So the wise select their friends. Number five, the wise subdue their desires. There's a lot in the early chapters of Proverbs about subduing desires. Proverbs 6, verse 23, For this command is a lamp, This is teaching, is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life. Keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of the wayward woman. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. Don't let it start there. So to subdue our desires, we need to guard our heart. So it goes hand in hand with the second characteristic to guard your mind, guard your heart, subdue your desires. So the wise subdue their desires. The fools run after their desires. They give in to their desires. It's right for me because it feels right. That's not scriptural. It's right because God's word says it's right. It's true because God's word says it's true not because we feel it should be true. Number six, the wise are faithful to their spouse. Proverbs 5.15, and this is quite a good euphemism, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. 
May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. So the wives are faithful to their spouses. So we're talking about practical wisdom here. It can be translated as skill in living. So when you are skilled in living, you know and fear God, you guard your mind, you obey your parents, you select your friends, you subdue your desires, and you're faithful to your partner. It's those practical things that collectively is wisdom. The Hebrew word for self-control is used over 42 times in Proverbs. So here's another key ingredient that is introduced, self-control, discipline, all forms part of wisdom. Number seven, the wise person in Proverbs watches his words. We watch what we say. My father taught me, be careful what you think, because what you think you will say and what you say you will do. So the wise guard their mind and they guard what they say. Proverbs 4.24 Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. In other words, manage your words. Select your words carefully. Number eight, the wise person works hard. Proverbs 6 verse 6 and a very well-known verse about the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. And I don't know if everybody... I think sluggard's a bit of an old English word. But it pretty much means somebody that moves slowly, isn't it? So go to the ant, you who move slowly. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So lazy people won't work, they love to sleep, dissipate energy, waste time, procrastinate, lose opportunity, suffer hunger. The wise, in turn, works hard, works diligently, even when it's tough, even when it's difficult. Number nine, manage money carefully. A wise person in the book of Proverbs manages money carefully, realizing that it's our Lord that shares his wealth with us and that everything we have belongs to him. Proverbs 3, 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So manage your money well. Manage it with discipline. Manage it with self-control. And later on, a third word is introduced, prudence. Manage it with caution. So those three ingredients kind of shed light on each one of these characteristics and how we apply that in the areas of our life. 
Number 10. So it should be nearly at the end. Um, a wise person serves others. Proverbs 3.27 Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. So the wise serve each other. So in summary, how do we characterize a wise person? It's a person who fears God, who guards their mind, obeys their parents and authority, selects their friends, subdues their desires, is faithful to their spouse, watches their words, works hard, manages money carefully, and serves others. But how important is this? So it's great to know those ten points, and there's a quiz afterwards. And if you don't score at least eight, I don't think you're allowed to get cookies. But how important is this? It's great to know these things and for it to be knowledge. But we, we saw that knowledge is not wisdom. Proverbs 4, 5 says, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Proverbs says that it's better than jewels. It's better than gold. It's better than silver. It's better than any material thing that you could ever wish to have. All the collective wealth of the world cannot buy wisdom. So when we think about how important wisdom is, there's the answer. It's more important than anything. The wisdom of our God and the wisdom of the gospel is the only thing that matters. That's how important it is. And we all have access to wisdom. Right? We believe that it's wisdom that saved us. It's wisdom that saves. The wisdom of the gospel. And we have access to this wisdom. Wisdom is calling out today, every day, to hear and to acknowledge our Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And the call from wisdom never stops. So what I want to do this morning is I want to, as they say, we're going to hear directly from God. And that's another way of saying we read out of Scripture. But I want to read for you Proverbs 8, which is wisdom's call. And you can follow with or just listen to what wisdom is saying and and what's being revealed to us here. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand? Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen for what I have, for I have worthy things to say. 
I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. My lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruits are better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills I was given birth, before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust in the world. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon of the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep its command. And when he made out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in the presence, in his presence, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, watching at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. This is an incredible passage where God reveals to us the nature of wisdom, that he declared what wisdom should be at the outset of creation. Before he started, he decided what wisdom should look like. And it says, whoever finds me finds life. So where do we find wisdom? Where do we find wisdom? And like always, the Lord answers. Job 28. And it's amazing how 
two different books, possibly two different authors, but it's so clear that there's one supernatural author to Scripture. Because Job 28, verse 20, nearly seamlessly picks up from Proverbs 8. Where does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the air. Destruction and death say, only a a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. God knows where wisdom dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the forces of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and the path of the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to mankind, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. So God kind of put wisdom through the stress test of creation. And he tested the wisdom and he declared to humankind, this is good. At the end of creation, God said and looked at creation, he said, it's good. And wisdom is part of that. So in conclusion, worship God, depart from sin. If you don't know God, you're a fool. If you know God, you're wise. we back to the simple message. But men will go to unbelievable lengths to unearth diamonds and golds and sapphires and whatever it is we mine two, three, four kilometers into the ground to unearth minerals. But do we go to a fraction of that extent to get wisdom? But the scriptures declare to us that's the most precious thing is the wisdom of God. And if you're here this morning and you have not experienced the wisdom of the Lord or the fear of the Lord. This is wisdom calling and saying, listen, stop talking, stop making excuses, stop giving counter-arguments. Wisdom calls for us to listen. Listen to the wisdom of our Lord. The gospel, the wisdom of the gospel There's only one path to God our Father, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. This wisdom is revealed to us when we cry our first cry for salvation, when we say, Lord, I need you. Save me. And that's when the Lord enlightens the path for you and shows you His wisdom. Quite different to the world's wisdom. But that is walking wisely 
in a foolish world. If you have not accepted the Lord as your Savior, please pray with me now. If you have, let's thank, with, thank the Lord for the wisdom that He shared with us. Thank Him for His precious gift, for His blood, for His sac- sacrifice on the cross, and that through Him we can be saved. We can receive His wisdom. Amen. Let's pray with me. Our God and Heavenly Father, Lord, our Creator, name above all names, Father, we pray to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour, and we call to you in repentance. Lord, we need you. Please be gracious to us. We know that we are in you, but help us, enlighten us about this wisdom. Help us to take it into our hearts and into our minds that you and you alone can save us. Lord, we try to control our lives. We try to be at the steering wheel of what is our life, but we fail every day. Lord, please take over and steer our lives for us. Please take our hearts, take our minds, and bless us with your wisdom. Lord, thank you for this wonderful gift. Thank you for declaring what wisdom is and that you have had this plan, Lord, from before creation and that we are in you, never to be separated again. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.